brands approaching retailers will be like, okay, we want to make more money. There are five things we need to do. I will go to Nordstrom and I'll be like, you have to do them. Nordstrom will come back to me and be like, no, you have to do them. We will fight for a while. I will do two. They will do two. We won't do the fifth one. The retail experience will be kind of mediocre and like off we pop. Like that's general retail. Okay. But like Amazon's not a retailer. So when you do that and you're like, hey, Amazon, I want to sell more of my sneakers. Amazon is like, yeah, in the next rolling 12 months, if you do these five things sequentially in a row, you can make X amount of money. Here are the five things and leaves the room. And that's really fundamentally confusing, I think, for brands because they feel like there's no partnership and that's because there isn't any. That is Katie McKee from Morphology Consulting. And in this conversation, instead of breaking down the data from a single experiment, we talk about high level, like how does the data flow between the different platforms and tools that you use? Or how should it flow if you're not really sure? So if you think about your branded site, retailers, Amazon, what's the strategy that ties those together? What kind of goals make sense for each particular platform or experience? We're going to jump right into this conversation and begin with a question of how is it that somehow some brands seem to land in a place where they almost feel like they have an adversarial relationship with Amazon? A lot of the misunderstanding comes from people being very talented at other retail. And so like the forward motion is like, oh, I've seen this before. I understand what to do. I will do X. And it like fundamentally does not work on the internet in general, but Amazon in specific. So like the biggest Mm -hmm. problems I think that people run into with Amazon is like a fundamental misunderstanding of what Amazon is doing there. And so all of the like the back and forth stuff that you feel is that like, if I am a brand and I am selling my sneakers on brand website and then Nordstrom.com, Nordstrom and I, and my brand and I are sharing a goal of selling sneakers. Like we share the goal, we share the path, we share the profits, we agree. So if I need to do stuff, effort to sell more sneakers, I'm going to share that burden with my brand team or with Nordstrom. Brands approaching retailers will be like, okay, we want to make more money. There are five things we need to do. I will go to Nordstrom and I'll be like, you have to do them. Nordstrom will come back to me and be like, no, you have to do them. We will fight for a while. I will do two. They will do two. We won't do the fifth one. The retail experience will be kind of mediocre and like off we pop. Like that's general retail. Okay. But like Amazon's not a retailer. So when you do that and you're like, hey, Amazon, I want to sell more of my sneakers. Amazon is like, they look it up. They look up the demand signals. They look up your performance. They look up the competitive marketplace. They look at all the other data inputs and they will be like, yeah, in the next rolling 12 months, if you do these five things sequentially in a row, you can make X amount of money. Here are the five things. The brand though will respond the same way. The brand will be like, oh, five efforts. I would like to do two efforts. And Amazon goes, oh, okay. And leaves the room. So the brand takes that as they like won the negotiation Amazon was like giving you directions to the grocery store. Like they're not sharing the goal with you. You asked how to do a thing. They were like, here are the steps. And you responded that you didn't want to do the steps. You're the expert in selling things. Amazon is not. They don't care if they sell anything. It has nothing to do with their business model. So you asked for directions. They gave them to you. You said you didn't want to use the directions. And they said, have a great day. And that's really fundamentally confusing, I think, for brands because they feel like there's no partnership and that's because there isn't any. Like 
you you are welcome to follow the rules of the system and you are welcome to make lots of money while the system like spins over here. But they don't share the goal with you. They don't care if you sell sneakers or not. Or I think a more helpful one is I sell sneakers to Nordstrom. Nordstrom and I share the goal. Amazon would be Simon the Mall Group. Like if I walked up to the office of the Simon okay. Mall in Glendale and was like, hey guys, I want to sell more shoes. They would stare at me like I was crazy. And then they'd be like, I don't know, man, did you put displays in your windows? Did your store, is your store clean? Is it nice? Did you set it up well? Do you open on time? Do you have the right sizes in the back? Did you go to market correctly? But they don't care if I ever sell more sneakers. So they're just like being helpful. If I respond to them, like, why would I change my displays? They don't care. It was like a helpful piece of information. Then they're going to go off. So I think there's there's plenty of rope with which to hang yourself on Amazon, I guess, is the space. And because that is not similar to the retail market, there's a lot of kind of discomfort in that, which is sort of like, if you put your product on sale and every outlet under the sun that's scrapable on the internet, Amazon just takes the weighted average of the price you put into the market and they make that the price of the good. What are you upset about? You set the market price. Like Amazon has nothing to do with it. You set the price, they scraped it. And to like save you time and effort, instead of emailing you and being like, hey, we're going to run a promotion. They're like, oh, hey, Brian. Oh, it's 40% off. Like, no problem, buddy. Make it. And they just change the price. It's not on sale. It's like, oh, the value of these sneakers is $60, not $100. No problem. We'll make them $60. So it sounds like if I'm accustomed to exerting this type of control and I have this overarching strategy channel by channel or retailer by retailer, and here's the promo I'm running over here, but not over there. And that's how I seek to get growth and maximize profits for my business. When I bring Amazon into the picture, it sounds like I've just completely changed the game for my business. Like I no longer have that control, at least with respect to Amazon. Sort of. You do. You have 100% control of your go-to-market. However, there's like a self-awareness piece to it, which is you have 100% control of your go-to-market. So if you put your product out into the market and you don't explain it very well, or you aren't consistent in your imagery or your titles or your copy or how like a search engine would scrape your product, that will negatively impact you in all of the places you likely make up for that in trade spend. You likely see that you're having a problem moving your sneakers at Nordstrom or your deodorant at Target or whatever it is you're doing. And you're like, hey, I'll pay for a promo to move those goods out of the door. The promo highlights a fundamental problem in your go-to-market. You screwed up somewhere and now you're fixing it with money. That's not a choice on Amazon. Amazon is like, hey, did you do all the steps? No, I didn't. I only did the three that I found interesting. Okay. And I think that's, that's tough. It's a very like, did you set it up correctly? Not like, can we look at the problem after the fact and try and fix it after the fact? So like, you know, if you take a look at like the way the for, way you forecast product, if you way you forecast product is by shipments and MOQs for like Walmart or Target, right? Like you're going to make deodorant, the MOQ and deodorant is a million pieces. You mentally are splitting that up between Walmart and Target. Mm-hmm. 500,000 each, you talk them into that, right? Like you, the salesperson goes to Target and is like, we're going to make so much money. Like, oh my God, deodorant. You talk them into the shipments. 
But Amazon's the opposite. Amazon is like, hey, does anybody want deodorant? Scrapes all the data and is like, this is how many deodorants I want. And also while you're here, the natural deodorant is burning people's skin. Can you give me one for sensitive skin? And brands get a little bit like, how dare you? You're like, no, that's very useful information. I would maybe do that in a way that isn't Target or Walmart buyer being like, I don't like the scent of vanilla. Can you make a scent of lavender? Does anybody want lavender? Did you check? Is that a heavy demand signal in this space? Do we need a 47th scent of detergent or do we need a detergent that solves a different problem? And so they're fundamentally different spaces, but then allocation is backwards and forecasting is backwards. And if you sell your deodorant into Target, it's with the understanding of the economics of how you built out your P&L that you're going to mark it down at some point, right? Like you have your trade spend in there, you have your markdown money in there, you have your 360 promotional campaign, you have all the different things that you're going to do, the levers that you're going to pull to make money in that space. Do you need to do any of that? Or are you doing that because you made a product that no one ever said that they wanted? Or six people said that they wanted, but you made 20. Why don't you just make six? So Amazon is from that perspective. They're like, look it up. We look it up. You can look it up. Look it up. And Amazon gives you all of the data. So that, I mean, that's a hard one too, that like once you're selling into Amazon, you can see all of that. So Amazon does get more strict where they're like, we told you the answer. Why are you not making us the sensitive skin deodorant that we asked for? And why do you keep marking down the like lavender scented deodorant that no one wanted? Like you can see what people want. It's written right there like to the skew, to the size, to the forecasted volume. So I think it, you get caught up in this very, like, if you pick wrong, then you're like, they're fundamentally different tools, right? So if I've already made the lavender deodorant and no one wants it, I'm not just going to throw it out. I'm going to run promotional dollars. I'm going to try and push it through. I'm going to do all the levers that I'm used to, to move this product. You just, it's not a choice on Amazon. And I think people sort of get stuck there that like, no, Amazon, you also have to help me sell down your thousand pieces. And Amazon's like, no, and also please send me the sensitive skin one that I asked for 600 times. Like there's just a, it's, it's an entirely different tool, I guess, is the landing point. I think so. I think I'm getting it. So if you come to it, thinking of it as another Nordstrom, you're going to have a bad time. And I guess you've, seen this, I, I suppose, with, with clients or folks you've worked with trying to force the, the Nordstrom approach. And uh, there's a lot of emotion around this relationship when you research it and read interviews with people who've struggled with Amazon. And this is kind of helping, helping me understand what's behind that maybe, is all these expectations and these, these competencies, these hard-won skills and strategic deployments for years and years that just don't work. So I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it, what's the mindset that you need instead? How should one think about taking up a, a partnership or selling on Amazon? And like, what does it look like to get it right? That's a great question. To get it right. So Amazon is fundamentally a data platform. So getting it right is very specifically being rigorous in following their rules. Like they are directions to use the system. Amazon's backend is predicated on pure customer demand. So did anyone ask for your thing or something similar to your thing in the past three years that we can give them? So it's a three year on either end cycle. They do like a full six year run. 
when you want to sell into Amazon, looking at consumer demand before you sell into Amazon. So if you run like Google trended searches, or if you're building out like your white space models or however else you're looking at like the demand signals for your product, that is what's going to predicate how heavy the demand is on Amazon in a vacuum. Since we're not in a vacuum, the way that you like link up to the efficiency of Amazon finding what people want is through your go-to-market setup with them. And that does need to be, and this is gonna be true for everything, but specific to Amazon, you need to tick all the boxes and you need to tick them correctly. So the titles need to be brand, sub-brand, category, color, size, shipment. Mm -hmm. It needs to be true. You need to include data in that that people care about. So if it's like a six pack of baby food and you don't put that in there, it's going to devalue the listing. You'll never get the appropriate traffic that you're supposed to because you're calling it the wrong thing. So there's something where it's the 10 inputs essentially, but like the title needs to match the bullets, which need to match the longer form copy, which needs to match inbound traffic, which needs to match the meta tags on the images. They need to match the ratings, the reviews, questions that customers ask, any kind of heavier content that you have and anything that would go into like an attribution table. So like if I sell microphones, you can't use the microphone without the USB cords and you need to use it with a specific type of headphones. All of that should be on your Amazon page. All of that, it's wide open space. They let you put all of that in there, but it has to be in there because Amazon is also a search engine. So when it looks for those 10 things, if you only filled in five, you won't come up, you won't get the traffic. If you did all 10, but you did them with agencies that specialize in the individual ones. Like I see this a lot with clients that they had a great creative agency do their images and their richer content. They had a different great agency do their SEO. They had a different great agency write their copy. None of those things match. So it's just 10 nulls. So it's, you don't sell anything on Amazon because you won't come up because I can't search it and I can't find it. So in the same way that that would work with SEO and all of that should be on your brand store too, right? Like your branded website should be deeply heavy education. It should be every gruesome detail about the product that you're making so that I, the uninformed consumer, can find what I want on there. All of that can go on Amazon, should go on Amazon, and it's how Amazon works. Like the SEO matters a great deal, but then there's the added layer of, because they're not a retailer, Amazon is really rigid on ops. So anytime you have a meeting with Amazon, it's never like, how many cases of deodorant can you get me? It's like your fill rate was 72. It needs to be 95. Your ship and return rate was 86. It needs to be hundred. If you don't do those things, I will source your product somewhere else because you are a bad experience for our customers. And there's a lot of that that also feels very direct. That feels very like you just told me I'm bad at my job. And Amazon is like, yeah, I sure did. Well, so it's it's just so different. It sounds like yes. like compared with maintaining relationships with department stores, retailers, compared with running your own brand site and doing what you can to increase sales and bring traffic to that. Like operationally or people talent wise, it, it sounds like a different skill set, different way to operate, execute, to, to bring on Amazon, to sell on Amazon? Like, how do you think about like team organization responsibilities? Like who, who do you need or what kind of a hat do you need to put on to, to add this on to your current operations? You need data people. You need people that are very detail oriented and you need people that are very used to very closed tight systems. So like financial analysts are usually great at this. Ops people are usually great at this people that are strategic from like a supply chain perspective or from like a data analytics perspective are normally great at it. The second piece is 
you want this to flow back into your team. Like the big upshot of doing stuff on Amazon is all that free information. Like you don't need to pay for it. And the fact that you get all of your competitive data, all of the like halo data out there, you know, everything every human being on earth is doing because it's written down on Amazon. So having analysts go through that and then give that back to your product team, to your branding team, to your sales team, because you absolutely should take all that data from Amazon and walk into Nordstrom and get a better price from Nordstrom. Like it, it should be improving all of your relationships. You should be able to add value and add captaincy to your physical retailers because you do know what people want. You do know what the price they'll pay for the good is. You know what they're searching for. You know what the problem is. You know what other things they would buy with it. So you can tell Nordstrom how to improve their basket. You can tell Walmart how the traffic is flowing on Amazon and how walmart.com should work. You can tell Target that these end caps don't make sense because people don't buy these three products together, but they do buy these five products together. We will do a partnership with those four other brands and we will print money. And the same thing with your branded site. You should be able to see what the actual problem is from Amazon. So if I'm saying that I want to buy $200 eye cream, the reason for that, that I'm stating is that I have really thin, sensitive skin. Most eye creams, even $200 ones, aren't marketed that way. But you can immediately see it on Amazon. Wouldn't you then turn around and put that on your brand store and get all the traffic of people like me who want to pay full price at your brand store? Because I also want the high touch environment, right? Like I want to be at your brand store because it's $200. I want to make sure it comes in a pretty package. I want it to feel nice. I want a cosmetologist or an esthetician to answer my question when I'm on your brand store. I want to see the videos. I want to see the ingredients. I want you to do the whole like rigmarole on your brand store the first time. I'll probably then go back to buying it from Amazon or Nordstrom or whoever after that. But I want the high touch environment at that first time, but you don't know what touches to give me until you pull the data from somewhere else, right? Like it should be incredibly helpful internally. Yeah. This, this gets back to kind of where we started this, this exchange on, on Twitter about the idea of, okay, I think I came to you when the question in my head, because of my background, cause I do like website AB testing is I'm thinking, oh, you know, if you like learn something on your branded site and you make a change because of it, something about the way you position your product then, you know, does that transfer over to Amazon? And so two things here. Number one is I think I'm starting to get that the answer is it's more likely to flow in the other direction. And and the other thing that I want to just like focus in on and hear more about from you is your response to that. I don't want to misquote you, but it's basically like, those are completely different people. The person that came to your brand site and bought versus the person looking for it on Amazon. And that kind of broke my brain. And so I, I, I want to hear more about like, what do you mean by these are different people and are, are the people in Nordstrom a third discrete group? Like, what, what do you mean by this? Who, who are they? So there are three different tools is really the thing. They're not okay. necessarily a disparate person, but they are a disparate thought process of a person at different points in time. So like, if we're looking at me, I would shop at all three of them, but at three very distinct epochs, what I want from a brand store is very specific and only to a brand store. I don't want it and I won't seek it in Nordstrom or Amazon. What I want from Nordstrom will also be completely disparate from what I want from a brand store and from Amazon. And thirdly, what I want from Amazon disparate from the previous two. So a brand store is for education. A brand store, our brand website is for a first time buyer who needs super high touch, Hmm. super heavy luxury education, all of your background, all of your reasoning, all the pretty videos, all the really beautiful art, all the things that will sort of like wow my senses to get me to buy the first time for beauty. But let's say it's for like a piece of equipment that I don't know anything about, like microphones. 
I don't possess the education to buy a microphone on my own at Best Buy or at Amazon. Is this exact microphone sold all three places? Yes. But I'm not comfortable when I'm at Best Buy or when I'm at Amazon. I don't know what to ask. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that meets my needs. I don't know if this is what I want. But your brand website should have all of that. It should be just a deluge of information that like this mic is for this specific thing with this specific tool. These are the other things you need to buy with it. Like it doesn't come with a USB cord. You'll need X thing. It will only work with Y software. You have to have specific headphones or whatever. The brand new website needs to tell me all of that. Likely the ship time will be long. Likely the customer service will be great. Likely the warranty will be great. Those are the reasons to buy as a first time buyer. Mm-hmm. If you go back to a brand store, likely you are a heavy loyalty customer. So the other high conversion point for a brand store is really special limited edition experiences or things that you wouldn't expect to get anywhere else. So like top 1% of your customers should be getting drops of sneakers. There should be limited edition product. It should be super high end, very expensive, can't get anywhere else, wouldn't have the margins to sell it into Nordstrom, Amazon, whoever. Okay. That's what a brand store is for. It's also though from like an SEO point, like a brand store is not meant for revenue. A brand store is meant for building out the scrapable data of your brand in the digital environment. A brand store is to explain all of your stuff, say all of your reasonings, hit all of the touch points of your environment and be pretty. That's the point of a brand store. Scrapable by Google for the purpose of people finding your products, scrapable by Amazon as well. Is that part of Everybody, Yes. She's scrapable for traffic, I guess is the better way to put it. So like, okay. yes, Google, Google, when I put in a problem that I have, should be able to immediately give me the answer and it should be from your brand site. Right. Amazon, the point of Amazon is both research and sometimes buying things. So like likely you will go to Amazon in your research for a microphone, but you will buy it from the brand store the first time. The first time. Like you want to validate it with reviews. You want to make sure that all the information is there but I don't know enough to double check the other things on Amazon. Like Amazon will offer me 90 microphones. I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't, I need to pick one and go deep on it. Brands can build that out better on Amazon. They just choose not to, but you can build it out better so that when I'm on Amazon, I can also see the cords that I need, the headphones that I need, whatever else it might be. We don't do that right now. And the way that Amazon offers it is by what other people bought. Right. That's a really terrible basket unless other people are also experts in microphones and they're not right. Like you look at it and you're like, do I need six of the same thing? And it's just like a backend data. Like the brand could input that they often don't. So it, it doesn't override it. A retailer is sort of the third space where you should have more customer service. You should have comfort around like a warranty or being able to return it. You might be able to talk to someone, not on the website, but like maybe in the physical store, you could talk to someone about the product that you want. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be as good as the brand store and it's never going to be as efficient or as clear as Amazon. So there are three distinct epochs in your journey. Am I going to buy the microphone from whatever this brand is? Blue, blue something? Yes. Am I going to buy the cord from them? No, because it's a $20 cord and it's $25 for shipping and it's going to take seven weeks. I'm going to buy that on Amazon now that I can physically look at it and I know what it is, right? So like there's a shifting in the same person, but what you want is specific to channel or specific to tool, I guess. Okay. So we've got different, there's different types of products, 
different phases in a buyer's journey from the initial research to the first purchase to repeat purchases. And within that, maybe different types of repeat purchasers in the sense, I think, I, I don't want to misquote, but it sounds like you implied some folks will keep coming back to the brand store. Most folks after the initial pur- purchase will be comfy just buying stuff off of Amazon now that they know what they need the next time around. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Can we maybe break down a couple different types of products and just talk through the same thing again, kind of talk through the the journey where you might go for what purpose or at what phase for, uh, can we go back to the deodorant actually something, you know, fair, I don't know, lower, I don't want to say lower consideration, but lower price for sure. Uh, You're going to buy it more frequently than a microphone. Can you talk a little bit about the branded site versus Amazon versus retailer? Yeah. For a deodorant, go. <laughs> it should be the same, right? Like the branded uh-huh. site should have all of the background. So like, why did Schmitz make a natural deodorant? What was the problem? What was the solution? What did you look into? What is the background? What did the founder want? Like it should really be your heavily branded place, but also like where are the highest education and the highest touches? So same thing, like that is where you have your bots. That is where people can ask questions. That is where new releases should come down use cases should come down. Like you should have, if you have deodorant, like you should have some like gross stuff on your site. There should be a lot of like armpits. There should be people sweating. There should be any kind of studies you did. There should be any of the background on the product, right? I'm going to go there to figure out if your deodorant solves the problem that I have. And I will probably still buy it there first. And I'll pay the $16 and I'll pay the weird $9 shipping to get the one tube of deodorant because like, I want to know that it works and like sensitive skin or whatever it might be. Like very high touch does convert sales once. Yeah. After that. Okay. Right. And like, after that, I could, I could go to target if I wanted to. Here's where the breakdown in CPG products. CPG is very like catch as catch can. Like the margins are so thin that when they're shipping product, there is not a ton of effort put into operational excellence. And there is not a ton of effort put into supply chain. So specifically there is one type of body lotion that I use. I buy it in this giant, giant jar because I can never find it. And it's, it's drugstore body lotion. Like there's no earthly reason that I can't find it, but I can never find it anywhere. So I got used to buying in these big jars and I bought it from their branded site when they like ever so briefly had one and they don't anymore. And then I would try to buy it at Target, physical Target. Like I lived across the street from one and I would go in weekly just to like, you know, kill time, hang out. They never had it. And you'd run into stock people and they'd be like, it's the most popular body lotion, but we get like one jar a week. So like whoever is standing here and we take it out of the box in Brooklyn in this packed target is the person who gets the body lotion. And you're like, that's a choice. Like, wouldn't there be thousands of units of it? You'd think, but that's not how operationally they're laid out, right? Like there's not, there's not a punishment from Target for you not having your body lotion on target.com or physically in the store. Nothing happens. If you don't, you just lose sales. But they're also not listing the sales that you're losing. So you maybe don't know that thousands of people went to this target looking for this body lotion. You know who does know? Amazon. Amazon started blasting me with emails about this body lotion and was like, you can buy it on, you know, subscribe and save and it's 10% off and you can adjust the dates that you use it. So it comes to my house every 45 days and it's, $2 less than it was at Target and it's $6 less than it was on the branded website before shipping. But it's consistent because Amazon will lose their minds if you don't ship product on time. Amazon will ride you into the ground. The product has to be available and they will tell you the exact number of people who want it. So when I've been on backends and forecasting, 
Amazon knows exactly how many units they need and they will tell you 30 rolling weeks out. They will tell you to the style size skew what they need for that Wednesday. That's usually flying in the face of what you think Target needs, but Target can't measure the number of people that left the store disgruntled, right? So there's like, there's a very big disconnect there. So specific to CPG products, there is a findability and consistency in being able to get the product that is available on Amazon, but you still likely don't start out buying it there. You still likely either buy it physically in a Target where you like get the higher touch environment or on the brand new website. Okay. Got you. Can we, can we do one more? I yeah. want to talk about uh, maybe higher priced items, something like, I don't know, like uh, flooring, mats, uh, furniture. If any, if anything in there resonates with you, can we talk about something like a higher price, higher consideration purchase? Sure. And then yeah. the same question kind of, you know, retail versus branded site versus Amazon, kind of how, how do people use those differently or how fair. do different people use each? Fair, fair. It's, it's a pretty similar process for something like furniture, like furniture. Again, at the branded website, you're expecting a, a fully decorated room. You're expecting the other pieces to go into it. So I know how it will look. Hopefully there's a widget where I can do my room and put the stuff mm -hmm. that I want in it. Like I'm expecting very high touch, very high education. What is the fabric? How much does the couch weigh? Can I spill juice on it if I have children? Is it going to bleach in front of bright windows? Like I want the full download of the reason that you made blue performance velvet versus white linen. Like I want all 72 colors. You're going to offer to send me the swatch. You're going to offer to send me pieces of the wood stain. Like I'm expecting this to take weeks. I'm expecting to spend tons of time on your site. Maybe again, talk to people, but furniture or, or flooring, you're expecting stuff to get sent to you. You can kind of like look at it in your own environment. Mm -hmm. Again, though, that's first purchase. So once I know that I really like this one couch made by this one company, if I wreck it and I want the same couch, I don't need to go through all of that again. And I likely right. won't. Like, and so I will probably double check it on the brand site that you have it. And then I will buy it somewhere. It's not going to take me six months to get it shipped to me if that's possible. Yep. So yep. it might not be furniture, you know, gets dicey. Furniture though on Amazon, um, not a big selling point. So Amazon's expectation is to have every product on earth up, but Amazon again, never expects to sell any of it. So for a person buying, like if you, the brand, your expectation should be to not sell anything through Amazon, but you do want a listing on Amazon so that people can double check information. Like you want that touch point, but I would not expect it to be a revenue channel. But does that also buy you all the data about yep. demand and searches and interest? And I see. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to say this is maybe not how a lot of folks are thinking about it like this. I'm processing all this in real time and it's kind of clunky in here, but I, when I think about all that data, I, I want that. And I, I right. kind of want that to drive what I'm doing elsewhere on the branded site with acquisition campaigns and in retail. And I guess I came to you with the question, the whole thing backwards where I'm like, Hey, you know, somebody has got retail, they got a branded site. How should they think about Amazon? It, it sounds like if that's your position, you need to be ready to revamp everything. Yes. potentially based on what you learn. Yeah. Right. I mean, huh. you might not have to, but yeah, because how else could you, I guess the feeling is always like, there's a little bit of a contention on usually in retail between a brand and a retailer, right? Like, like you want to negotiate and you want to win the meeting usually. And there's a little bit of like who pays for what. So like, it's always a little bit of like tension. Hmm. Amazon doesn't want any of that. They yeah. want your people, they want your customer to stand there on Amazon so Amazon can look at them. Like that's the point of Amazon. They wanna be able to like watch you. Whether or not you sell anything is, is up to you. 
If you want to make money on their platform, cool. They will explain it to you. If you don't, also fine. So I think the element that people kind of run into is Amazon's predicated on data. That's what they're doing all day long, every second of every day. They're not trying to mess with you when they give you that data. So I think it's not because you don't have that contentious relationship. It's not like you're wrong, you're doing it wrong and your product sucks and we think you should change it. It's very like, hey, you don't have access to all this information that I do. So your product that you think is $100 isn't. Like the entire market buys it for $62.50. That's what it costs. You might wanna look at your pricing because you'd sell more if you changed your pricing. Do you have wiggle room in your pricing? If you don't, you should maybe stop burning your, your margins at Nordstrom because that's where you're hemorrhaging cash. They don't say it like that because they obviously can't and it's vertically integrated, but they're very much like, you can look up anything you want. We will be delighted to give you this information because they're a data company. There's no way a brand could buy all this data. Right. And I mean, why would you when you can get it in one place? But also like you can't get competitive data. You can't get a whole bunch of other data. And if you did, it'd be like drinking from a fire hose. Amazon is like, oh, here's all of your category data. Here's all of your competitors. Here are all the search terms that they went through. Here's how the traffic moved. And here's what people wanted which is the big one. Like, I don't, I don't know why more people don't just do it for the white space alone, but there's a big element of like, yeah. they'll explain it to you. Like they're not competing with you. Sell more deodorant. Uh, once or twice, I think I've heard the word revenue. And each time I heard it kind of the, like the data-driven brand site optimization guy inside me sort of cried a silent tear because I, I think I heard you say that your brand site isn't necessarily about revenue. And also the sense that, you know, that you may be hemorrhaging revenue over on the retail side. Yeah. And so let's just talk about making money, I guess. Uh, how, how should one approach that? What are the priorities? What does success look like in each channel or platform or with each strategy? Like, how do you get this right and optimize across all these areas? It's, it all really boils down to the go to market. So if you, you have to look at it from a poll model essentially, but if you scrape the demand data of what people want, you will have your forecasting correct. You will have the color, size, scent, whatever, correct. Mm -hmm. So your inventory will be correct. And also your traffic will be clean. So like you made enough of the product that people wanted and you can set it down. So when they say, I need this thing, you without having to pay for it will pop up as like, here is the solution. And here are the three places that you can buy it if you would like to. The places where brands lose money are on media spend, on trade spend, and on markdowns for poor forecasting. None of those things need to happen. All hmm. of those are purely mathematical data. You don't need to use historical. It should be bottoms up. So in terms of any of that, like from your branded site, that's what you want to do. Your branded site should not be a huge revenue maker. The ROI should probably be pretty bad on your branded site because your branded site is an environment, right? So You'll sell some units on it probably, but that's not what it's for. And it is there to bolster your retail sales and your Amazon sales or wherever right. else you're sold, right? And like we it's- probably can't track that. Uh, if I went to your branded traffic. site, I shopped around, I found some good information and then I wrote down on a post-it that I want to buy the thing when I'm at the store later. Right. No event is fired in Google Analytics for that particular transaction. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. But your brand decides did its job, that it, right. like it worked. You, you're doing it right. You just might not see that in your dashboard. So I, I interrupted, sorry. But no, 
That's a good point. So how, so knowing that I can't necessarily have that level of tracking of literally everything that happens across all these, as you were saying, kind of, you know, to get this right, what does it look like? So, so once you figured out what people want and how to be the solution to their problem, you would apply that everywhere else, right? So you would show up to Nordstrom or Target or whoever and say, here is the data. Here's how many Target shoppers want sensitive skin and natural deodorant that is unscented. Here's how many we can ship to you. Here are the dates and the spike times. That should get you all the floor space that you need, right? Because pitching in right now is just like, we made stuff and we have like a 360 and we're spending a bunch of money on media and we will talk about you. That is ceasing to be a value add, right? Like that's not how humans shop. So having seasonal conversations with retailers is getting messier and messier because human beings don't buy parkas in summer. And we literally never did. And it was always incredibly strange that that's how they were set up. And everyone on earth just waited until November and bought them super cheaply. And then they bought an ugly one because you had marked them down so much that they got moved out. Like it stopped making sense a long time ago. Yeah. But if you walk in and you're like, hey, I ran the math. I took all the risk out of this Nordstrom. This is how much square feet I should literally have. So not conquesting, not I want to screw over my competitor. So I'm going to try and buy up their space. But like, literally, this is how many units. This is how many people. This is the traffic. That is a much cleaner way to go in than being like the back room, like, oh, like shave the price and trade funds and like, we'll mark it down or like whatever that happens in those meetings, right? Because you're trying to convince someone of something without having real data behind it, but you can have real data behind it provided you went to market cleanly. So then the exact same thing is going to happen on Amazon and Amazon self-corrects almost immediately. So if you've got something wrong, your listing will be a mess. Like the, the traffic won't make sense. The follow-throughs won't make sense. And you can, 30 days, you need an initial 30 days. After that, it's 24 hours. So after the initial 30 days, you'll see what the organic rank is supposed to be. And then you can check it every 24 hours. If it's moving around, something's wrong right? It should be on a very steady, but low uptick. If it's not something happened and you can double check it in that system and see what happened, which means you can then go back to your brand store and be like, oops, the sensitive skin formula isn't sensitive and it's burning people's skin. So we will change this piece out. And then we will tell target and we'll just take that tag off. So instead of people being enraged and not buying our product, we can go to market cleanly with what people are literally seeing and what they want. And I think that is tedious. I think it takes a really long time. And I think brands get a little stuck in that it does have to be perfect for a digital system, right? Like you can't misspell things. You can't have a different title on Walmart versus Target versus Nordstrom. Nailing all of that cleanly though, is what gives you this incredible efficiency. So provided you're giving people what they want, and let's assume that you make products that people actually want, then this should be off to the races. And that's where people make crazy amounts of money on Amazon because you shouldn't have to spend into it. There's no trade spent on Amazon. You, you can buy media, but you shouldn't have to. It should be about 90% organic. You should be able to make whatever your complaint is to the internet and someone will answer it. Whether it's a brand site, whether it's a retailer, whether it's Amazon, someone should be like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know what's wrong. Like here's, here's the correct answer. I, I guess I, I want to ask you, is there anything, anything I should have asked any topics that we, um, that we didn't cover that you want to touch on? Oh my God. I could literally talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I think, I think you nailed it. Okay. 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 Cool. Uh, well, so last question, where can people find you on the internet and what, what kind of 
how do you relate to this, this problem area that we've talked about? What kind of work do you do in this space? Fair. So I run Morphology Consulting, which is a digital systems consultancy for profitability for brands. So it's their digital transformation, their go-to-market, how to win in whatever tool they want to use for whatever their product is. And the website is morphologylabs.com. Perfect. All right. Katie, thank you so much. This is great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, same. This is great. Thanks so much for having me.